You're listening to The Private Citizen, a civil liberties podcast. This is episode 161 for Sunday, the 15th of October, 2023. The EU's Ministry of Truth. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host. My name is Fab. And uh, thank you that you're with me tonight, today, whatever time of day it is for you. I'm um, recording this in my home studio in Düsseldorf. I'm not coming to you live as I'm usually accustomed to. I usually record these things um, in front of a live audience on Twitch. I can't do that today um, for several reasons. One of this uh, being that I've uh, buggered my <laughs> my knee while uh, climbing. And uh, yeah, kind of, uh, I'm in an awkward uh, position recording this with my leg like raised and uh, slightly hopped up on painkillers. Um, sipping some tea also. Um, so I hope you um, you will forgive me that I'm, I'm not doing this live. I've also had some scheduling difficulties. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's just the, the, the way it is. Um, I'll try to do uh, the next episode uh, live again. Today we're going to talk about um, the EU's um, Digital Services Act, which is a law that recently came uh, into effect, and that is pretty horrible. Um, but before we get into the topic at hand, uh, yeah, one more thing on the scheduling. I actually wanted to record two episodes this week because I, I won't be able to record one next week as I will be uh, fairly busy and in situations where I can't record a podcast so um, yeah, I couldn't get that done. Uh, the I just had too much work this week, and and this episode, um, the research for it just took too much time. Um, so there won't be an episode next week, um, but I'll try to be back um, as soon as possible, and of course also to do it live. Um, yeah, so um, let's get right into our topic here. Let's talk about the Digital Services Act. Yeah, so surprise, surprise, we're talking about another uh, stupid law idea from the European Union after uh, the previous episode uh, already uh, was about something like this, um, or the few, you know, the, the few recent episodes uh, were about the EU basically um, getting rid of, or, you know, basically um, trying trying to get rid of uh, online privacy um in all of the EU, basically, and now we have a law that was or that was um, p proposed like last year, and I have to say, I have to confess, I didn't, I didn't pay enough attention to it um, when it was proposed and and over the uh, over the year, and so um, we'll have to talk about it now. Um, it just came into effect, I think, this month or last month. Um, for large service providers and, and the rest of the law will come into effect um, in January. And it's, it's, it's horrible. It's, uh, it's a censorship law. And after basically trying to get rid of privacy, um, the EU has now already basically given up on free speech online, um, on social media. And so this is the, uh, it's called the Digital Services Act. It's EU Reg Regulation 2022 uh, 265, 2022 2065. 
and um, it the plan the idea is to remove what the EU calls illegal content um, proactively um, while well, service providers being uh, given the um, responsibility to remove such content proactively or immediately after it has been flagged by someone and if they don't they uh, can get like huge pe uh, penalties pretty much I think it's like six percent of the revenue it's kind of like um, what the GDPR also um, has as penalties or they could even be uh, outright banned um, from operation in the EU member states and yeah, this is, as far as I can tell, the largest and most far-reaching um, online censorship regime ever implemented. The EU and proponents of this law do not say it is censorship, but you know, if I if you look if you go to Wikipedia, which itself uh, is subject of censorship now in the EU, um, if you go to Wikipedia, censorship is defined as uh, censorship is the suppression of speech public communication or other information. This may be done on the basis that such material is considered objectionable, harmful, sensitive, or, quote, inconvenient. Censorship can be conducted by governments, private institutions, and other controlling bodies. And this law is actually uh, censorship by the government in conjunction with private companies. Um, I'll talk about, well, we'll see how, how it works um, in a bit. Um, the of course the EU and proponents of this law are saying that this is only um, meant to deal with illegal content um, quote illegal content at the end of this episode I will go into what that means because as, I, as far as I'm concerned um, the at, at the moment in time where this law is applicable there is no such thing as illegal content but we will. Uh, I will. I will explain that at the end of the show. So let's let's table that question for now, and let's just you know deal with. Let's just let's just take it at face value. That's what they want to do, right? They want to um, ban or disappear. This is not only like deleting stuff of the internet. This is also, you know, what what Twitter and other um, such companies are already doing that we've talked about when we talked about the Twitter files. Um, they call it um, visibility filtering. So it's kind of the same thing, right? Um, the goal is to make this information disappear. Now, uh, a publication called the European Conservative uh, published a, um, a comment, a commentary about this and called this the EU's Orwellian uh, internet censorship regime. Now, um, if you want to read that whole article or even read the version that I've marked up with my notes for the show, you can go to privatecitizen.press and that's privatecitizen.press and you can go to um, episode 161 and look at the show notes and you will find all this information in there. Now, the uh, European Conservative is a somewhat, I, I think it's classified as a right-wing publication. Um, I really don't want to i i mean i i i don't want to from what i've seen what they've published uh, seemed quite reasonable to me um i mean i have some conservative ideas i wouldn't call myself a conservative i really don't want to start discussing the publication I'm, I'm i'm guessing people won't like this episode will find objection to this being a source um i like to see especially 
commentary uh, on face value and I found this to be a very reasonable um, article. It is it is quite hostile uh, towards the law, but I must say, and, and quite, quite barbed sometimes, but I must say I'm actually feeling the same way um, having having read into this, having read this legislation, um, I, I I feel myself agreeing with a lot of that. Um, anyway, let's let's quote from this article. Um, I actually I should look up who the writer is um, and tell you this is uh, the European Conservative uh, Laurie Wastel Wastel Wastel. No idea how to pronounce that. Um, sorry if I butchered that. Uh, anyway, um, they're saying. Um, among many other things, the DSA, that's the Digital Services Act, the law we're talking about, among many other things, the DSA obliges large content online content platforms to swiftly take down illegal content, hate speech, and so-called disinformation. Aiming in the words of the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, as we like to call her here at Ursula, to quote, ensure that the online environment remains a safe space. Um, very large online platforms, VLOBs, with more than 45 million monthly active users, must abide by the rules from Friday. Smaller platforms have until February, or okay, it's February, it's not January, uh, to comply. Designated by the commission back in April, the 19 VLOBs include all the big names, Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, YouTube, and Amazon, as well as smaller fries like Wikipedia, LinkedIn, and Snapchat. If VLOBs fail to comply with these dictates, they can be fined up to 6% of the annual global revenue or they can be subjected to an investigation by the commission and potentially even be prevented from operating in the EU altogether. So, you know, Ursula von der Leyen says uh, to ensure that the online environment remain, remains a safe space. Um, I really am hard-pressed to even see why we are passing laws like this. I, I can't, for the life of me, even... And I've, I've talked about this a lot um, in the past on the show, but it, it bears repeating... I can't for the life of me um, um, I can't even imagine the online environment as as she calls it not being a safe space um, you know I've talked about this a lot when they talk about hate speech and other things like this if you go on the internet and you go on Twitter um, you are confronted by words and pictures right you can be insulted you can even be uh, horrified, you can be disgusted, but you are always safe. You're sitting at home, uh, you're sitting at work, you're sitting in a tram or whatever, looking at your phone. You are safe. Um, we we do not live in a cyberpunk future. There's nothing people can do to you on the internet that will impinge on your physical safety. Um, they can't reach into your brain. And, you know, we're not yet connected like, you know, Elon Musk and people like that want us to be with like implants where somebody could, you know, like hurt you or kill you, right? I mean, I'm not saying there can't be harm from the online space. There can certainly be, you know, you can plan terrorist acts online. You can leak somebody's information, which will get them in danger. But the physical danger that comes is not from what happens online. People uploading things on the internet and typing into their keyboards, they're just generating bits and bits can't hurt you, right? And I don't understand why these politicians, probably because they're old and they're quite dumb, that they can't see this. Um, I'm not saying that 
online the on, your online presence or people's online presence can't have, can't have consequences in the real world but the danger is in the real world and i've i've, I've held this from the beginning if somebody says um Go to this address. We talked about this with the Drachenlord thing. If, if somebody says, go to this address and hurt that person, that is a thing. You, you might criminalize that. I'm not saying that that is a good thing. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be criminalized. But that is, a, that is an act. And if somebody then goes and does that, that is a second act. And, you know, that is a completely, I mean, they, you know, they're connected, but there's no... Um, there's no immediate cause and effect, right? You can't use the internet to compel somebody to do this. Like they will, they can get an idea from the internet and then do it, or they can even be blackmailed or whatever. But like the the actual physical harm that comes is from that second act, from that second person. And to just pretend it's the internet's fault, it's just completely ignoring reality. It's ignoring, you know, human nature. It's re, It's... It's it's ignoring the laws of cause and effect. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's ignoring the laws of physics. So this this whole law to me is so infuriating because the very premise on which it is based does not exist. Right? Um as far as I'm concerned, and I'm quite the older I get, I you know, I changed my opinion in my life. I'm now forty years old and I've I've changed quite a few opinions. But one opinion that I've consistently held since I was in university and the more time goes by and the more experiences I accumulate in this life the more staunchly I hold to this opinion is that nothing on the internet should be censored people should not be censored you should not censor any books any movies um, right if as horrible as anything can be you know there could be a beheading video on the internet you don't have to watch that if you don't want to watch that, don't watch it. You know, I'm not saying that you can't, that there aren't psychological implications with these things, but you're mistaking cause and effect. And you're, you're if, if you're calling for things to be censored like this, I feel you're actually destroying our culture. You're destroying um, reason itself. Um, because... You cannot prevent bad things happening by preventing people to talk about. What these people want to do, people like Ursula von der Leyen, they want to prevent people from talk, talking about things. They want to prevent people from seeing things. I think they actually, in a in a almost Orwellian way, and this is actually, I, I'm agreeing with the European conservatives here. This is very Orwellian. We're going to talk about that later, some more details. But like, I think these people actually, if they could, they would want you to prevent from thinking certain things, right? Um, they think that that if I go on the internet and let's let's pick a random example. Let's say the war in Ukraine, and I'm pro-Russian. Let's say I'm pro-Russian. I don't know why. Maybe my parents were Russian. I've got no idea, right? Maybe I'm a fan of Vladimir Putin. Who gives a fuck? Um, let's say I'm pro-Russian. They want they they want to prevent me from exposing this opinion online because they think it can harm other people. They literally think that ideas can harm, and that they will cause bad things to happen. Whereas, um, you know, this is to to me. That is insanity. I, for example, in Germany, we have we have laws like um, 
um, then, for example, I, I run an internet forum, so I have to. I've for years I've had to enforce these laws because there's standing laws in Germany. Like in in, in Germany, for example, swastikas outlawed. So if somebody was gonna come on my forum and post a swastika, I would have to delete that, and that's not new, right? That law's been around as long as the internet existed in Germany. Um, but I've always, I'm, I've, I've, ever since I was in university, I actually studied the Third Reich in history, studied politics. I was very staunchly against this law. I think these kind of laws, they accomplish nothing. They are made by, I don't know, naive people, stupid people, people who think if you can outlaw a symbol, it will make the problem go away, right? We do have neo-Nazis in Germany. We have anti-Semites. These people are a problem. Um, but you cannot, and these laws have proven it because they've been on the books since, so since the Federal Republic of Germany has existed, these laws have been on the book. And since the Federal Republic of Germany existed, we have had neo-Nazis. We have had people in the street marching with these flags. Um, we've had people getting arrested for it, get, going to jail for this kind of thing. It changes nothing. The only thing it does, it actually makes those symbols kind of interesting, right? To young people, um, edgy. They're edgy, right? And young people are attracted to things that are edgy. That's why the emo culture exists. That's why heavy metal has a certain appeal to young people, right? Or punk music, or having weird hairstyles, or, or piercing your nose, right? It's edgy. Smoking, right? The more you outlaw that, the more it gets attractive, for example, to young people, or people who want to be on the edge of society. Um, and you're not solving the problem. The problem is solved by education, right? Outlawing the swastika doesn't help you fight neo-Nazis in Germany. Um, what helps you fight them is educate people about how the Nazis were like really dumb and had some really bad ideas and um, ruined Germany, right? Adolf Hitler was an idiot. Um, he started wars, he couldn't win. Um, he had, um, aside from you know, inhumane and horrible policies like, you know, killing millions of Jews, um, which should be horrible to anybody. Even if that argument doesn't work for you, the guy destroyed Germany, right? His whole, his 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 um, domestic policies weren't better than his foreign policy. Um, and the way to get people to stop being neo-Nazis is to educate them in these things. Now, there are always people that you, you just can't educate. They're, they're dumb or they're stubborn and, or they have psychological problems. I don't know. We'll always have to deal with something like this. And the same thing goes with, um, with terrorism, right? The current problem or the problem that started all of this uh, was Islamic terrorism. Um, we know from the Twitter files that the people that that started this whole censorship industrial complex when it comes to Twitter and the US and you know the FBI and all that were people that 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 were that that saw that um for example ISIS propaganda videos had a certain appeal to 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 certain for example young people in the US and some of them became terrorists i think it wasn't like the the the, the Chicago Marathon bombers i think they you know they 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 you know they were recruited by by videos like this and that will happen. You can never stop this happening. That, that's the that's the one. Like you can you can you can you can outlaw the videos. You can outlaw the people talking. These 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 propaganda will always reach people, and terrorists will always recruit other people. Um, so so my wife um, said for years, 
Well, it's very smart, and she's not very interested generally in like um, politics or, or or world affairs. She's too busy um, being a scientist and doing research. But you know, once in a while something happens—a terrorist attack or something—and I go, you know, did you hear what happened in, you know, whatever? You know, there there was a shooting in 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 in, in Paris or Berlin or whatever, um, and and for years she will always almost always say well there's always some idiot out there and that is like wisdom i've i've come to see this as wisdom it is it is very true there will always be idiots no matter how draconian your laws are and no matter how how staunch your censorship is history has shown us there will always be idiots and you know the way to fight these people is not to outlaw their speech um, the, way, the way to fight propaganda is to actually educate people about propaganda in school, which we're not doing, right? Um, if I was a teacher and if I was creating curriculums, Edward Bernays would be required reading in whatever, like society, what politics class, whatever. It would be in some curriculum. Um, you know, I would teach children what propaganda is, how it works, and how you can um, recognize it. We're not doing this. Because the people in power, you know, that are in power in other in our countries also use propaganda. And companies use propaganda. They call it public relations. And we don't want people to see through this because advertising would work way less and they would sell way less shitty products. And people would start seeing through the, the, the evasion that politicians do when they talk to us. All the politicians, everybody in, in politics uses propaganda. It's an inherent part of propaganda. Uh, of, of politics so we're not doing that instead we're doing stupid laws like this and this is very much orwellian like i was reading this the law i was reading this commentary and it's like there's spot on this is Orwell. so what the eu is creating here um the, as, as this article says vlops so that's the very large online platforms so vlops flops will fund a permanent European Commission task force on this information of some 230 staff paying an annual, annual quote, supervisory fee of up to 0.05% uh, of their revenue. Smaller platforms are to be regulated by individual EU members who must establish national digital service coordinators by February. So they're creating a bureaucracy, right? They're creating a, a permanent staff task force 230 people um this is you know orwell would have called this mini true this is the this is the ministry of truth this is what they're creating they're creating a european union based bureaucracy to censor content on the internet and in keeping with the trends you know that that i have or together we have seen on this show um you know, that, that we really started seeing with the Twitter files, which kind of, you know, Michael Schellenberger has coined the censorship industrial complex. This is not even the old model of government censorship, where the government, you know, the government wants censorship, the government passes laws that mandate censorship, and the government then sets up in an office, a bureau of censorship, right? That's how the Soviets did it. That's how the Nazis did it. Um... They're not even doing that. They're doing the modern version. They're doing the censorship industrial complex. They're actually 
cooperating with mega corporations like Google, right? The, the, they're getting the companies. It's a like Donald Trump kind of thing, you know. We are uh, we're going to make him censor the in internet, and we're going to have Google pay for it. <laughs> it literally is that. Um, they're making these companies pay for these bureaucrats. Um, and they're actually uh, collaborating with them. And like some of this infrastructure is non-governmental organizations. There are private um, organizations involved. Um, so it's not even honest state censorship. It's like this muddled thing where you don't even know, like where does the platform that you're using to exercise your speech end and where does the censorship arm of the government begin? You don't really know. It's all one big thing. It's like a cancer that... that government has like kind of created and it's that's growing through the internet right um of course this isn't censorship i'm as i said this before right this is illegal content we're going to talk about what that means um later but really what i'm talking about now here it doesn't really matter if it's illegal content it doesn't really really um really matter what kind of content um, the EU says this is made for because built into this law is a mechanism that 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 the the the, the people who created this law can use to sweep all their rules away. Um, to quote from this article in the European Conservative, um, so on top of this day-to-day -day censorship, the DSA also has a built-in quote crisis quote crisis management mechanism, whereby in times of quote extraordinary crisis the commission can immediately ob oblige platforms to remove content. A, quote, crisis is defined as a, as an, quote, objective risk of serious prejudice to public security or public health in the union or significant parts thereof. Whether this standard has been met is determined not by an independent body or even by the toothless European Parliament, but by the commission itself. So this is the European, the, the EU bureaucrat mechanism establishing things that they themselves have control over. With other words, the body who benefits most from this um, from this state of emergency is the one who actually has the power of declaring this crisis unilaterally. Um, and that's not a democratic process. Um, I objected to the same thing during uh, the pandemic when the German government changed the, the Infektionsschutzgesetz and they basically says, said, we the government can say if there's a crisis and then these rules will apply and we will tell you when the crisis ends. And um, that is a, you know, that is a trend that's also been going on in, in Western democracies um, for decades, right? It's pretty much how, you know, in the US they used to actually vote um, in the in the House. They actually used to, uh, was it in the House? I think, well, um, I think it was in the House. But anyway, the the, the um, um, Congress um, used to vote on whether um, the country would go to war, um, and now now it just happens, right? Now the it's just the the president decides, and then they get to maybe ratify later. But even though that really doesn't happen anymore either, um, and this is kind of the same thing, right? They decide if there's a crisis. Um, and then they just enact the crisis laws. Now, if they had written this law a few years earlier, then I would have seen how a lot of people could have just 
you know, said, okay, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine. If there's a serious crisis, we might need to do this. But like in today's world, we've just had the pandemic. We've just seen how easy, I would say, you know, people say how easy it is to create a crisis. I wouldn't say that the crisis was definitely there, but, um, or the, um, you know, the, the underlying problem was there, but the actual crisis, the appearance of the crisis, I feel, um, was very much created. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it is a very deadly virus um, and it killed a hell of a lot of people and still can, killing a hell of a lot of people. But as I've also maintained there from the beginning, um, what made the crisis was our view of this virus, right? Um, there have been other viruses that have killed that many people, not in the same time frame, but generally there are other um, health problems that kill way more people um, that are not a crisis, right? We don't we don't see even though more people, con you know, before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and after the pandemic, more people die from um, circulatory diseases. You know, we are not like, oh, this is a crisis because we define a crisis as right. This is a, this is a, 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 an, an organ. This is an infectious disease. So, so for us, infectious diseases, you know, that qualifies as a crisis. Just just dying of heart attack. Um, that's you know, just hundreds of thousands of people dying of a heart attack. That's just not not a crisis. That's just you know, that's a relatively arbitrary um, decision that we just make. Um, and we, as we've seen, you, you just have to make, you just have to get the press um, to run with it. You just have to get the press to be afraid, and then you have your crisis. And to be honest, I'm I'm amazed even that I was surprised that this happened during the pandemic because it's happened before, right? A classic example is the WMD episode where you know. Uh, the U.S. military basically invented the idea that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, which he didn't have. Um, so they lied. They lied to the press, and the press just ran with it, and, and they justified going to war. Um, and this is kind of the same thing. So, yeah. Um, so basically, they can just come up with a crisis, and then... Um, you know, and then, then change the rules and then they can ban everything they want to um, immediately, you know, and it's already been um, kind of, kind of talked about in, sorry for bumping the microphone, by the way, but like, um, it's already been, been, been talked about in EU circles that like you, the Ukraine war would be a crisis. I'm going to talk about a little bit later why, why I find that a, a bit weird but yeah so and you know you can just you can there's always a crisis um you know if you really want to if you really want to think like a conspiracy theorist you just get somebody to blow something up um and it you know in europe that doesn't as far as i can tell hasn't happened but the u.s is, is it, you know it has come so close that you really can't tell if you look into like these uh fbi investigations where they basically they're infiltrating terror cells and then they're basically they're, the FBI informants are egging the guys on to blow something up and then they're giving them the bomb um, and then they're giving them the detonator and then just the detonator won't work or something. But they'll basically have them push the button so they, they can say, oh, you just pushed the button, we'll now send you to jail. 
but they basically set the whole thing up, including uh, supplying the, the explosive, right? So you could just imagine them just having, you know, having the bomb actually explode, and then you, you know, then you have the panic that you need. Um, if you wanna, if you really wanna think like a conspiracy theorist, um, I mean that is a conspiracy theory, but I think it's also, uh, in some cases, uh, clearly it's been documented that it's it's true that you know, these kinds of conspiracies do happen. Um, so um, yeah, so let's look at what what it is. You know, now we see that they they can filter this stuff. Let's let's actually have a look at what what it is. Um, they wanna they wanna actually filter like what is the actual information i'm quoting that they wanna that they wanna censor quoting again from this article um so what kind of speech is the dsa expected to police last year's strengthened code of practice on disinformation defines disinformation as quote false or misleading content that is spread with an intention to deceive or secure economic or political gain and which may cause public harm um and this is to, this is um, uh, in in reference to actually have I made a mistake here in my um, in my show notes, <laughs> which now I'm gonna fix before you ever see them. But um, I'm gonna have to uh, look this up now um, in the actual source file because it's not in these uh, notes. I'm sorry for this. I'm gonna have to waffle here a little bit. Um, so what kind of content uh, is expected to police? Let's look this. God, right, here we are. Um, uh, what, what kind of, where, where, where? What kind of what kind of speech is DSA, DSA expected to police? So last year's strengthened code of practice on disinformation. So this is like a EU. Um, the EU has a, you know, has as this, this is apparently the the official definition of what disinformation is. Um, last year's strengthened code of practice on disinformation defines disinformation as quote false or misleading content that is spread with an intention to deceive or secure economic or political gain and which may cause public harm. The code has already been put to work during elections and to quote response respond to crises such as COVID and the war in Ukraine. Now, both these examples, COVID and the war in Ukraine, Ukraine, are problematic because. As we've seen, and I've actually, um, you know, I've, if you go to the show notes and, you know, yeah, I have a link to the to the um, coronavirus tag for the show notes, and I've talked about this on the show at length. Um, during the pandemic, a lot of the stuff that was labeled misinformation actually turned out to be correct, right? Because it was a developing situation and we had, you know, in the span of ma- month, we had, for example, the WHO who was... Ho- um, the World Health, World Health Organization was ho- held up throughout the pandemic by governments and, and, and people in power as the authoritative source of these things. They would say one thing and then they would go back on things, right? They would, they would say the exact opposite uh, a few months later because it was a developing situation. And I, I do not blame them for that. And I do not blame scientists for like changing their mind or changing the, what, what they said. 
that 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 a developing situation brings that with it that's not a problem a problem is if if you go at one point and you say well anything these scientists say anything the who says is law and anything else is misinformation because you will label things as misinformation that turn out to be true later and there were things labeled as misinformation that everybody knew were wrong from the beginning i've talked about this um but you know fauci coming out and saying that um well in fact um we knew from the very beginning that these vaccines in these cases, when we're talking about respiratory diseases, they never meant and they were never meant to stop uh, the in, stop infection, right? They're, vaccines are made to protect you, not to stop you spreading the virus. And we knew this from the beginning. And as Fauci pointed out, there is, and, and linked in his paper, there is ample evidence going back to the 60s uh, in the 70s, um, clearly showing that this is the case and that we know this. And so people said this when people started talking about the, the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. People said, or vaccines, people said this. Like, this will not stop um, other people contracting the virus because that's not what these vaccines do. They have, have never done in cases of respiratory viruses in the past. And people probably quoted the same sources that Fauci quoted after the pandemic. And this was labeled misinformation throughout the pandemic. It's even labeled misinformation by some people now. And it's clearly not. It's, it, it is as close we can get to the truth. It is the scientific consensus. It is, as they like to say, the science. Um, so, you know, that's a problem. So, so COVID is a bad example. The war in Ukraine is also a bad example. How, I mean, I can understand people spread, you know, I I can understand the impulse that you want to stop people spreading misinformation in, in this war. Um, as a historian, right? What's what's the famous saying? I don't even know who's from. Like the first, um, the first uh, victory uh, in war is always the truth. Uh, who, who's that by? I'm going to look that up now. Um, the first, the first casualty of war is the truth. Um, Hiram Johnson, apparently progressive Republican senator from California. This actual quote, the first casualty when war comes is the truth. Um, and then there's one from Bismarck, which I love. Um, I'm going to have to look, I'm going to look this up as well so I don't misquote this because I also have to translate it. Um, yeah, so Otto von Bismarck, who is a, a famous German uh, politician um, and one of my 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 favorite uh, politicians, the guy who invented Realpolitik, um, famously said, es wird niemals so viel gelogen wie vor der Wahl, während des Krieges und nach der Jagd. Um, people never lie, uh, never lie more than um, before an election, during a war, and after a hunt. <laughs> so true. And, you know, pretty much everything I've, 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 I've spent way too much time of my life in the last, you know, uh, year, year and a half, trying to figure out what's going on in Ukraine. And it's like all propaganda. It's all misinformation. So if you actually wanted to ban misinformation from that war, you actually have to ban everything. You have to ban all the official Ukrainian channels, all the Russian channels, because I mean, most of them are already banned in the EU, um, or are all of them, I guess. Um, but... Uh, you know, there's just as much misinformation from the Ukrainian side, which is to be expected. It's a war, right? I mean, we know this. Even the wars that were covered by television crews, like 
the Iraq war. You know, those were, we, we, we know, we've learned after these were embedded reporters, you know, they were, they were able to see a very small sliver of the truth at the time. And, and I mean, what, what do people expect? Also, the war in Ukraine, like, why that, what? so a, a law passed by the European Union made to, um, made to govern European citizens in the EU. What does this law have to do with misinformation about the war in Ukraine? The war in Ukraine has legally has nothing to do with the EU. The EU is not involved. No EU country is involved um, officially in this war. Right? I know we're sending weapons and stuff over there, but officially nobody's at war. This is like legally. This doesn't. This doesn't. This doesn't. I, I, I see no way in which this would even um, affect the EU. Right? Is it? I would really love one of these EU, you know, bureaucrats to explain to me how that war um like is applicable uh, how the, how that is applicable under the law to eu citizen right what's the legal the actual i would i would like to ask them right if, what is the legal justification for this um what makes that a crisis under this law um uh, what 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 makes this a crisis um to the eu this if something happens in china does this also apply Right? Does the EU also suddenly then police my speech if I talk about China? I, am I not allowed to do that? Right? Uh, why is that? How is that protecting the public in the EU? Right? Shouldn't the crisis that actually involve the EU? I, I don't. I mean, I, I do understand because none of this actually matters. Um, right? It is. It is obvious that this has nothing to do with misinformation or with protecting. To me, it is. I mean, I'm call me call me paranoid, call me a, a conspiracy theorist, but like, I mean, I can see no. I, this law is made to. This law is made by a bureaucratic apparatus in Brussels, uh, you know, the EU, who wants to silence uh, speech, opinion, silence information that's inconvenient to them or to its to their their member states. Right? They want to give themselves and um, the governments in the EU member states the ability to silence stuff that they don't want to know. This is not about protecting the public. Um, I mean, I, I explained in the beginning why I don't th think censoring um, information would ever protect the public. I'm not an informed public. I think it's actually it's harmful. It's like a cancer on democracy. Democracy only works if if people have freedom of speech that's why it's an it's a requirement um for 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 a de democra democratic state and for frankly the rule of law and and especially when it comes to politics if people are not allowed to to freely express their political opinion how is how is democracy going to work um right it's it's insane. It's like I'm, I'm I'm working on the show that you know I've got notes on that I'm going to talk about. Um, you know, for, for for ages now I want to do an episode on on the current government in Germany, the Ampel, the Traffic Light Coalition, and how they're how they are how I judge their politics because you know I talked about it on the show or that they're, they're like they're, you know what their government achieved. Um, 
because I talked about that on the show when they came to power. Um, but it's been completely overwhelmed by current um, political uh, realities in Germany where basically uh, we, just, we just had two elections in two federal states and as everybody expected, who isn't an idiot, uh, the, the AFD, so the, the somewhat right-wing anti-European party massively won. They're now the second uh, most powerful party in Hesse and um which is you know the federal state that frankfurt frankfurt are mined so the, the german uh, the seat of the german financial system uh basically germany's london is in and they're, they're the second strongest party uh in bavaria uh, the third strongest and they've eclipsed the green party in in both states and this is like a, a clear sign that the next in the next federal election and this party will be massively strong. Probably, I, I think they'll be the second strongest party if things continue to go as they are going right now. Um, you know, because people are fed up with what the government is doing and then it's ignoring their the reality on the ground and, and pushing policies that, that, that have nothing to do, like that people just can't understand. But I'm going to talk about that in, a, in another episode. But what I want to bring up is that because of this election win, um, people from the government coalition, um, we're talking like high-ranking government officials, ministers here, um, have like floated the idea to ban the AFD. And the press has for years now been calling the AFD like a right-wing, as uh, a, a extreme, extreme right-wing party, which which is not, is patently not true. I mean, they're a right-wing, um, but we have, we have, you know, we have basically neo-Nazi parties in Germany, right? We have the, the NPD, uh, we have parties like the Republikana, we have uh, the Dritte Weg, we have, we have many actual right-wing parties. Um, what the AfD is, is kind of an, it's a populist party, but a lot of their ideas, especially when it comes to immigration, which is why, why they've been labeled far-right by the press, um, these ideas are not far-right. Um, these ideas that used to be in the, in the, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Used to be um, the purview of the uh, the CDU, the Christian Democratic Union, right? So the CDU in West Germany, uh, in in all of Germany, and then in Bavaria, the CSU, um, the Christian Socialist Union. But they're kind of like two parties that form like one coalition um, in the federal government. Like a, they're like one, they're basically one party, pretty much. But um, they had a a, a very uh, influential thinker in, in Bavaria who, who never became chancellor but who was like a, like a, 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 a close friend of Helmut Kohl who was the chancellor at the time um, Franz Josef Strauss who was kind of like a, a right wing um, center right wing uh, conservative political thinker right he was kind of like he ran the CSU and he famously said, and he also said that uh, Helmut Kohl agreed with him on this, which I do believe. Um, he said that there can no, there cannot be um, the, the the CDU CSU. So this this party, this center right wing, center right party, um, conservative party, usually called the conservative party in Germany, um, should never allow any party, any legitimate democratic party, to exist to the right of it. It would be the end of them. And basically, what the what the CDU, uh, who, you know, who's now in the, uh, interestingly, they're not in the government coalition, but like, um, what what they have allowed, so so the 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 left wing party, like the the Social Democrats, they pretty 
um, clearly there. I mean, they set this very clearly there. The strategy during the, the late 90s uh, and early 2000s was to move to the middle. They tried to get voters from the middle. So they went, you know, they gave up some of their left-wing ideas and created space for a party that's called the left in Germany that, that then came out of, it actually developed out of the socialist party, the, the uh, you know, the one party from the one party system in East Germany. Um, they became the left and they're now left of them. And, and AfD, did the, but because CDU, CSU, the union did the same thing. They went into the center as well. They tried to get some of those voters as well. And they have been abandoned some of the voters on the right side of their, you know, um, of their voters, and and this is why the AfD has blossomed, and not only anti-EU. So it was kind of founded as a reaction to Brexit, um, to get like kind of the same thing happen in Germany. But it became kind of like you know the the just the right-wing conservative party because the CDU is not right-wing anymore. It's more extreme. It's more right-wing, but it's not a neo-Nazi party and it's not a far-right party. Um, it it's the, lots of the votes it's gotten in Bavaria and in Hesse are just the votes it used to get that people used to, to vote for the CDU. And they think that, you know, the current government is very left. And they think that this, probably think that the CDU who's in opposition right now is not doing enough. And also that when Angela Merkel was in power, um, that some of the problems they see with the immigration um, politics w was Merkel's fault. So, you know, they're now voting for this party. Anyway, this party is not far right. But, um, the government says it is, the press is, uh, is repeating that, and the government is basically playing with the idea of, of um, outlawing the AfD um, before the next um, federal election. And, and they are actually, you know, they have the, <laughs> the Verfassungsschutz, the German um, Interior Intelligence Service, also called, it is called, literally called the Constitution Protection Service, um, on their side, um, so they have to spice on their side. Great. Um, and the, the press and the intelligence services agree, which is always a bad thing when that happens. That should always, you know, that should be an immediate red flag. But, you know, they want to outlaw this party with the, under the pretense or what they're saying is because they're a right-wing party and they're, um, you know, actively against the constitutional order, uh, which under the German constitution would, you know, would, would be an argument for outlawing them. Now, when I see that, I don't see this party that they're proposing to be outlawed to be actually be exhibiting, you know, Nazi um, ideas, as they say. I see the government exhibiting Nazi ideas, and this is not hyperbole. This is literally what the Nazis did. You know, the Nazis were elected in a, in a fair election you know, as a democratic party. They were elected into power, and then um, they transformed the government into a fascist dictatorship. And the f one of the first thing they, things they did is they started outlawing one party after another. You know, they start, first they start the communists and, and, and other parties and, and, and then the social democrats. And at the end, they were the only party left. And then you have a one-party totalitarian state. And when I see the government going, we want to outlaw this party that people in the democracy legitimately vote for because they don't like our policies. Um, I I think that does, that is an actual Nazi, that's as in, in the actual 
meaning of the word Nazi that, that looks to me like like a national you know like something the NSDAP the National uh, Socialist no would have done did um, if if you're running a democratically if you're in a democratically elected government and you're deciding to instead of taking the voters seriously either either doing you know either either so if 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 you if you have certain ideas let's say about immigration politics and you 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 have you you you're pushing certain policies and and, and laws and and the voters disagree with you as a democratic party you have two options you can either change your policies see what the voters want and and step a bit towards them or you can you know lose an election and step down anything else is anti-democratic and is against the rule of law and is i think unconstitutional um so and and why am i talking about this because this is the same tendency while these laws are passed right they want to um when the people that are running the current german government when they um when they are confronted with people who are saying this is what some of the voters want they don't want unlimited immigration they don't want your immigration policies they want a limit on Im immigration or they want you know shut the borders or whatever right um then people who say that immediately get labeled as nazis nazi sympathizers they're not taken seriously this is not a view for example that is that is talked about in the mainstream press and that's silenced right and and i think that is some of the stuff they say that you know they would say is harmful to society and they want to ban you know, I don't agree with any of this. I would never vote for the AfD. I haven't voted for them ever. I would never vote for them. I would never recommend anybody voting for them. If anybody knows me, knows this show, uh, knows my voting strategy is voting some random, very small party that has no way of getting elected, possibly. <laughs> and, that, and that's my approach. But, you know, I don't agree with these immigration policies. I think um, I think our immigration policies are, are fine as they are. I don't mind immigration. I would like the government to have a plan how to integrate people who immigrate, right? Mer Merkel had this idea, oh, we let everybody in and then we can literally say we can handle this, right? But then had no, there were no policies forthcoming from the government how to house these people, right? How to get them to learn German, how to get them, you know, I, I feel like anybody who wants to live in Germany can live in Germany. But I also think there's, you know, if, if you want to continue to live here, I mean, we should take anybody in who's like coming from a country where they're, you know, actually hunted and, you know, whatever, prosecuted. But if they want to stay here, if they want to live here, I think I'm per I personally think it's just reasonable. Um, we have a welfare state. If you, if you come to live here, you, you you know, even if you if you don't work, you have pre a pretty good life um, compared to some of the countries where these people are immigrating from. And I think it's reasonable for that to be. Um, certain, um, I wouldn't even say rules, an understanding, right, that we're running a certain kind of country here. I, you know, I would say um, it would it would behoove you. I mean, you can't force anybody, but I think, you know, you should make an effort, for example, to learn German. Um, you know, if I, I went to live in other countries, I went to live in Australia, I went to live in, in the UK. Um, let's say I want to emigrate to Texas, right? I would 
of course, I already speak the language. Let's say I want to immigrate to Spain. I would, I would learn the language. I probably would be really good, but I would, you know, at least make an effort. Um, and that would be for me, but that would be part for the course. I also, most, more importantly, I would expect these people to understand that we have certain rules in this country. We have a, we have a, um, a constitution. Um, you know, we we believe in the right of free speech. Allegedly, um, you know, we we believe in the right um, uh, for everybody to practice their religion, right? So, um, for example, some of these people um, um, react. You know, there, there was this fam famous controversy, or there are these famous controversies when somebody in this was, this, in Sweden uh, is burning a, um, a Quran, right? Um, I think that. That's the right of anybody to do. I would be the last one to burn a book, right? I think that's the, that's the most barbaric thing you can ever do. That's literally just burning civilization. I would never burn any book, but I first I personally, I believe in, in the right to criticize religion, right? I believe in the right for anybody to practice their religion, but they also shouldn't impinge on other people, right? If I'm atheist and I believe God doesn't exist and I want to say that, and I want to make a public showing of that, then I'm as allowed to do that as you are allowed to like bang your church bells and have whatever progressions, you, you know, walk through the street. People should be allowed to walk through the street, you know, register demonstration and go, I don't know, Allah is great or Jesus is amazing. And I should have the right to say, well, religion is the crock of shit and has caused more deaths in the history of humankind than anything else. Uh, and should be banned. <laughs> you know, that's my personal opinion. But, you know, so... I'm 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 okay with this kind of thing. I just feel like, you know, if if you if you want to come to live in a certain society, you have to ex accept. There's a certain basic standard. You have to accept the rule of law, right? You can't go oh run around go oh he's he, somebody's insulted my wife. I'm gonna kill them now. You know we have a a, a monopoly of force in this country. Um, if you think somebody did something illegal, then you call the police and the state handles that. And, uh, you know, if it's not illegal, then there's shit all you can do about it. You know, you can't just grab a knife and go insult someone. Well, you can, but then you're going to go to jail. Um, and I actually think people who do that, you know, should not only go to jail. I personally believe we should put them in jail here and, you know, have my tax money. I Actually, I'm okay with sending these people outside of the country. If somebody, I, I'm, I'm totally okay if somebody wants to live here. And if they become a citizen, you know, after a certain process, then they can go to jail. Uh, but before that, I don't think, you know, we should, I, mean, I don't know where we would send them. Um, that's, a, that's a discussion, but I don't think we should, put, you know, we should be spending money of, of hanging in jail here. I mean, that's my personal opinion. And, and But I respect other people's, you know, I expect people who have a different opinion who think everybody should stay here. We should never send anybody away. I respect that. I don't agree with that. I think that's quite stupid. But, you know, whatever. I also, you know, um, respect people who have the opinion we should close all borders and get out of the EU. I think I personally think that is as stupid. That's probably more stupid. Um, the EU is the best thing that has ever happened to Germany, which is why we control it and spend so much time and effort politically to assert our influence on it. Um, and it's it's very beneficial for Germany, for example, um, you know, for economy, for everything. But you know, I wouldn't go and say like these people are Nazis because they want to close the border or because they don't like immigrants. I think that's a valid opinion to have. And people should be able to voice that opinion. Um I don't agree with with that, but like the in a in a in a democracy 
you you have to you have to be offended sometimes and you have to to stand dumb opinions that's what democracy is about and if the majority of the 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 um the electorate is dumb and and votes for a dumb idea then i have to like i had to suffer for the 40 years that i've lived in this country i had i have to suffer living under very stupid governments the stuff the government of helmut kohl who never did anything i i, I agreed with the government of angela merkel who basically did nothing for 16 years now the current government who is as incompetent as governments get they're like a clown show of fucking idiots they're literally there are some of these people i actually think are, are, are dumb like they might actually be under some you know and probably under the iq threshold like of the normal like of the mean you know i, I think but you know they're elected and and i would I, I exercise my uh my constitutional right to tell them that they're dumb and that their 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 laws are, and their policies are stupid um but i would never go and say outlaw this party or like ha let's have a revolution because i respect democracy and I, I I expect these politicians to do the same thing and to not when they are threatened because their policies are not very popular to go and outlaw try to outlaw a party or the same thing you know try to outlaw a certain kind of speech tell people that they can't have that opinion that they are Nazis if they're that opinion to try to censor the stuff off the internet um and that's exactly what the EU is trying to do here. And I think, and this is like, this is even, this gets even more Orwellian if we, let's get further into this. So who, right, they're saying, okay, we want to, we want to censor a certain kind of information. Who decides what kind of information? So according to this article I've been quoting on, let's, let's go on here. Uh, the European Digital Media Observatory, the EDMO, EU-funded fact-checking hub, fact-checking is already, you know, it's a major red flag, um, which aims to, quote, identify disinformation, uproot its sources, or dilute its impact. It's downright, is a downright sinister organization which naturally claims to be independent and impartial, but is essentially the EU's answer to Big Brother. Launched by the Commission in June 2020, with a budget of 13.5 million euros, it compiles reports on internet discourse across the EU. These include regular fact-checking briefs, in quotes, fact-checking briefs, quote, disinformation reports for specific countries, and quote, early warnings on predicted disinformation trends, the better to, quote, pre-bunk them. And they actually say that. Pre-bunking, one EDMO presentation explains, is the process of exposing lies before they strike. This fucking law and this whole government apparatus that the EU has created is so fucking Orwellian. It's it's worth worse because they're not only fighting thought crime, you know, which is something that Orwell came up with. No, 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 they're fighting thought pre-crime. This is some kind of unholy combination of Orwell and Philip K. Dick, and they're making it reality, right? So the process, as I've I've talked about this on the show a lot when it came to the press saying that Trump was lying. The process of exposing lies. These people cannot expose lies. It, it, it is impossible. These people, they're using 
they're literally they're using terms they're making laws and 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 creating a government bureaucracy using terms that they don't know what they mean a lie is if you and i've said this often but i have to repeat it because people apparently don't know this a lie is if you say something that is not that you know while you're saying it you know that it is not true right this is why in in, in, in lawsuits and in legal proceedings, you will always never hear this word. And this is why it's so dumb when it comes up in something like an impeachment proceeding or now in lawsuits against Trump. Because you cannot prove that somebody lied, right? For a while, we had this idea that you could have a lie detector test and then actually came out that that was based on, you know, that very... Um, a very shaky scientific foundation. So, you know, lie detectors are now not admissible in court uh, because, you know, um, they can be and quite frequently are wrong. You cannot think, you cannot tell somebody, well, in, in some rare cases, you can, right? There might be some rare cases where somebody, they could admit they're lying, right? Or there could be rare cases when you can actually prove that somebody didn't know. Right, but there could always be the insanity defense. So if you can, if so, you know, let's. This is always comes up with the Trump losses, but like let's um, let's say um. Uh, you can prove that somebody told me, right? You you have let's say you 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 bug my office, like let's say I'm the president. Uh, of 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 Germany, right? I'm I'm the ca chancellor, and you bug my office, right? And and you have like the intelligence service. Somebody from the intelligence service comes in one morning, and we have a meeting, and they tell me, um, we know that the Russians blew up North North Nord Stream. And then two hours later, um, I go out in front of the the you know the parliament, and I give a speech. And I say that I have knowledge that the Ukrainians blew up Nord Stream. If you have that, um, if, if there's a court case or whatever, and you have those tapes, you, you, you know, you, you have me dead on rights to that. You cannot prove I'm, I lied, right? I could say, well, you know, I, yeah, they told me the Russian, but I didn't believe the Secret Service. They were lying to me. Right, I'm paranoid. They're always lying to me. I didn't believe him, and I thought it was the Ukrainians, so I said that. I could say, well, I meant to say uh, the Russians blew it up. I just, I just had Ukraine on my mind and slipped my mind, and then I didn't want to admit that I made a mistake. Or I could say I'm fucking insane. You know, I, I, I say this one minute, and I say this the next minute. This is actually how I think Trump could get out of all of these lawsuits because they're always calling him insane in the press as well. <laughs> you know, I mean. You, it's it's not possible. You can, you cannot like. And if I type something on the internet, how is some bureaucrat in Brussels and some think tank or an observatory or whatever these bullshit things are always called, right? Um, how is how is that person supposed to figure out if I lied? They can't. They don't know if I believe what I. So you know, this is idiotic. You can't. These people. Like their whole mission statement is impossible. Um, and then we haven't even gotten into the pre-bunking thing, right? That's even even 
even worse. That's like, um, how do you, you can't even tell what a lie is. How do you stop a lie before it awkward strikes? Because before somebody says it, they're going to go, well, Fapper said this, these things about the pandemic, or he's like obviously an anti-vaxxer. We're going to uh, prevent him. We're going to visibility filter him because the next thing he's going to say, or sooner or later he's going to say something that's going to be a lie. Like, how do they know? Like, this is idiotic. Anyway, the uh, European conservative obviously has come to the same conclusion, saying uh, clearly what is common to such narratives is not that they represent, quote, disinformation, that is false information intended to mislead. Rather, these are expressions of political opinion dissenting against the EU establishment. And they had some examples. I talked about some examples as well. Um, they represent opposition by the European public to unpopular policies favored by European elites, in this case, mass migration, transgender ideology, and net zero echo austerity. Um, this startling document reveals how the technocratic crusade against so-called disinformation is in fact nakedly political and anti-democratic. What is labeled, quote, disinformation is really just any political narrative that the globalist EU establishment dislikes. Indeed, even the term globalist is bad. It is the wrong thing. You know, why I wouldn't, you know, this is quite you know, quite pointed. Uh, but I think in, in, in essence, it is it is correct. I mean, uh, these people, you know, don't even know what a lie is. Um, this is not about misinformation. And we've, we've seen this clearly during COVID. We've seen things that, as I said, that we knew were, were correct being, being um, you know, uh, deleted off the internet. And and this will, this will be the same with this law. Mm. I mean that's that's why they we, I talked about this. That's why they invented malinformation, right? There's disinformation, misinformation, malinformation. Malinformation actually being information that is objectively true, uh, but would kind of hurt the public. Um, so does that sense It's kind of like the famous when they uh, uh, in 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 Germany uh, when when they um, uh, when when I was living in Hanover, there was a I think a, a national an international football match in the stadium in Hanover. Yeah, it was an international match. And I think Merkel was going to attend. Um, the, the chancellor was going to attend. Um, and they canceled the match. And the rumor was that that was the planned terrorist attack. So they asked the guy from the, um, you know, the Verfassungsschutz in Niedersachsen, in the federal state, you know, they have their own um, intelligence services, uh, why they canceled, or I think it might have even been the, the head of, I think oh, it was the interior minister. Anyway, then they asked him why, uh, why did why did they cancel the press asked why did they cancel the match and he said um, I cannot answer this part of the answer would um, really um, worry you and then the press just stopped asking it's like what the fuck I want to be worried I I want to be worried you you gotta have better fucking like what could that answer have been they had a nuclear weapon and we stopped the attack yeah I would be worried but I mean you stopped the attack. You know, did they did, did they get away with the nuclear bomb? Do they still have the nuclear bomb? I still would want to know that. I mean, it would worry me. But like, you know, if I'm if I'm sitting in my office in Hanover, it can, like knowing that somebody's running around with a nuclear bomb isn't, you know, is is hardly worse than just sitting in my office and and suddenly there's a bright flash and a mushroom cloud on the horizon. Like, what the fuck is this kind of shit? Um, and uh, of course, they can also. I've uh, linked to this. This Mozilla is worried about this. They can also ban um, 
the, or the, the French government has already threatened to do this under the law that can just ban websites, right? So the, the, the political establishment that, that very um, pointedly, if you, you know, when it comes to like Iran and they're shutting off people's internet access, then they're like, oh, this, is, this violates international law and, and, and human rights and all this kind of stuff. And, and now they're doing it themselves. You know what the worst thing about, while we're talking about terrorism, you know what the, what's the worst thing about all of this? It is just like this, this law, the EU got apparently got the ideas for this this um, law in 2015. So this story says, uh, after terrorist attacks in Paris and Brussels in 2015, European regulators threatened the platforms with extensive regulations unless the platforms undertook meaningful measures to effectively police and remove hate speech and extremist speech. Faced with this prospect of regulation, four major platforms, Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter, and YouTube entered into a voluntary agreement with the EU. And this is how this whole law got started, by this voluntary agreement. So just like how the West reacted to 9-11, the terrorists won. They are get so they are blowing up every few years. They're, they're killing some people. They're, they're blowing shit up, and people die, and and we get afraid. And out of fear, we they get they're actually getting us to destroy our own core, core values. What is happening here is we're actually dismantling our own democracy because we're afraid. And you know, as my wife the sage says, there's always crazy people. This, none of this will stop terrorist attacks. You know, terrorist attacks are effective because there are, um, I mean, wasn't it Che Guevara who came up with all this, like the the, uh, the asymmetric warfare? You just, need, you just need one or two guys every 10 years uh, to, be, to be so indoctrinated and so disillusioned, so crazy that they're, that they're happy to blow themselves up. And that's all you need. And you can never stop this. You, there will always be somebody who come through and they'll just... They'll just do it. And then you just, you know, you spent the, the next 10 years with legislation and, you know, passing stupid laws like you can't bring liquids on the plane as if anybody ever blew up a plane. With, but still, nobody cares. That's our life now. You can't do that. And, you know, you will now have to censor the internet and there's no privacy on the internet on, and all of that. Um, and we're becoming the very police state we're fearing. And and these people actually, they're winning. It is quite it's quite disheartening. Anyway, um, you might think, why does this apply to me? Um, you know, I'm in the U.S. This is this doesn't worry me at all. Well, yeah, or wherever you are, think again, because as I've learned, I've actually never heard this term before. I started researching this. Um, there's something called the Brussels effect. <laughs> And you know the Brussels effect. Um, as I said, I didn't I didn't know about this before, but um, this is actually I'm now going to um, quote some stuff from a from a paper in the Chicago Journal of International Law, which came out a while ago. This is um, looking towards this act. Um, I think last year or something uh, when it was when it was just passed, um, and it, it talks about this and it explains the the Brussels effect as follows. The DSA, like other 
recent EU regulations of social media platforms will further instantiate the Brussels effect, whereby European regulators will continue to strongly influence how social media platforms globally moderate content and will incentivize the platforms to moderate much more allegedly harmful content than they have in the past. This extensive regulatory regime will incentivize the platforms to skew their global content moderation policies towards the EU's instead of the US's approach to balancing the costs and benefits of free speech, especially given that these are huge financial penalties for violating provisions. So, as with the GDPR, basically the GDPR is now in effect all over the world because all these platforms just changed their, you know, or because of the penalties and everything, they, they changed their way to do things how the EU wants them to do this and this will, this will have the same effect. Um, interestingly, so it, it's applicable to wherever you are in the world. Interestingly, uh, this author here uh, uh, in the in this uh, California Journal of International Law predicts that um, uh, the Digital Services Act will actually create uh, great friction with current U.S. laws when it comes to free speech. Um, and one interesting factor that is also like EU specific here um, that that applies here is that basically the DSA does like a complete one eighty. Um, when it comes to you know our current understanding of um, content and and users and these platforms, so like in the U.S., um, where this has um, been specified in Section Two Thirty U.S.C., um, or, you know in the which is goes back to um, a uh, the, the the what is it the Communications Decency Act. Um, in the EU, we had, up until this law came into effect, we had the following understanding. We had something that, you know, is still in effect because of Section 230 in the US uh, called Safe Harbor. And that's the idea that if you run an internet platform, um, you're not liable for what your users po post, right? Which is kind of common sense. It's understandable. Um, basically, as long as you're not ed editorializing, you know, like a newspaper would do, uh, a, a media company um you're not liable a media company is liable for the stuff it prints or puts out because you know it's editorializing um somebody like twitter and facebook is not and i always thought this was logical um but basically the this new law the dsa now mandates um that platform providers are liable if they don't editorialize because they have to censor which is editorializing uh but since in the us there's section 230 still on the books it's now like you're not caught in the middle uh, if you're a platform provider because in the <laughs> in the EU uh, you're only uh, uh, indemnified if you if you if you editorialize and the US you're only indemnified if you don't editorialize or as this paper says or this article uh, the DSA generally provides that platforms are not liable for the third-party content they host provided the act Judiciously upon notice of such alleged illegal content. I like how they, this is like a legal journal, right? They say allegedly illegal because they actually know. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but they're actually smart. They can understand what they're saying, unlike the EU politi politicians that made this law. Um, the DSA contemplates a regime in which individuals, country-level authorities, and trusted flaggers which are private non-governmental entities or public entities with expertise of some type can identify content that they believe to be illegal under EU-specific laws. And this is, of course, important because these trusted flaggers are talked about NGOs and the 
the whole um, government. Um, this is why it's the government industrial. Uh, you know, it's uh, sorry. Um, um, <laughs> my brains. <laughs> it's not the military industrial company. It's the censorship industrial company. It's like it's got like NGOs and companies mixed up with it, right? <laughs> I like how these trusted flags are uh, public entities with, or you know, private, non-government, private or non-government entities or public entities with expertise of some type. <laughs> you know, I have expertise of some type. Could I be a trusted flagger? Probably not. Um, the notice and action provisions of the DSA stand in sharp contrast to the comparable U.S. regime under Article uh, 230C of the Communications Decency Act, CDA. Section 230C, which is the main piece of legislation applicable to general platform liability in the U.S., Im immunizes platforms from many forms of liability for hosting third-party content. In, contract to the, in contrast to the DSA, Section 230C imposes no condition conditions on platforms to receive immunity from liability. Since the CDA's passage in 19, CDA's passage in 1996, Section 230C has been consistently interpreted by U.S. courts to provide broad immunity to platforms for hosting and facilitating a wide range of illegal content, from defamatory speech to hate speech, terrorist and extremist content. Notice of illegal content is irrelevant to such immunity. Thus, even if a platform like YouTube is repeatedly and clearly notified that it is hosting harmful content, such as ISIS propaganda videos, the platform remains immune from liability to hosting such harmful content. Um, which is obviously in contrast to this law. Uh, the other elephant in the room, of course, um, the other huge elephant in the room, um, is of course um, the First Amendment to the US Constitution. I'm quoting. Many EU countries have speech regimens under which speech is deemed illegal according to, wi to widely different and compared to the US vastly less protective standards. Several categories of speech are illegal under European law but would be protected in the US under the First Amendment. Some for better, some for worse. For example, several EU countries restrict Holocaust denial and minimization as well as glorification of Nazi ideology. In Germany and other EU's, EU member states, Holocaust denial and glorification are illegal. Yet illegal content in European countries also includes categories of content that would be deemed valuable and protected under the US free speech regime. These include French laws prohibiting criticism and parody of the president, such as by depicting him as Hitler, which was recently held to violate French insult and public defense defamation laws, Austrian and Finnish laws that criminalize blasphemy, Hungarian laws that prohibit, prohibit a range of pro-LGBTQ plus content accessible to minors. Now, I would think all of this, all these laws are crazy. I mean, you didn't even like the German laws, but like this, like criminalized blasphemy is just silly. What, what is this, the Middle Ages? You know, uh, parody of the president is illegal. I mean, come on. I think pretty much anybody would agree that that's stupid um the dsa notice and action regime which allows entities in the u.s to flag content that is illegal under the country's laws and requires the platforms to expeditiously remove such content will likely incentivize platforms to remove a vast amount of content that would be deemed protected and indeed valuable under the, under other countries speech laws including the u.s's uh such as political criticism, satire, parody, and pro-LGBTQ pro plus content. Um, and it's like, yeah, this is, this is 
crazy, I think. I mean, this is this is an obvious... I mean, obviously, this is a problem because um, what this is, it creates a kind of a, like a, a minefield um, that will... That, that, that these companies will wade into because a minefield of lawsuits, so to speak, because on one side of the landscape, there's the EU regulation, which which you need to remove certain content because it, it's invalid under EU, like it's illegal under some EU state's law. And then on the other hand, removing this content violates the First Amendment in the US, which, which could also then be, like you get probably get sued if you don't remove it, and then you get sued if you remove it. And I mean, you could imagine some kind of, you know, content filtering and visibility filtering and then some very complicated, probably AI uh, driven, somebody will come up with technology for this, but you know, there will be problems. There will be errors and there will be lawsuits and this will be a problem. Um, of course, the EU doesn't care. Uh, very interesting. There is a law in the book in Texas called the Discourse Act. And then there's also propose, proposed US federal law, which will probably not be passed. Uh, called case it or case it um which would also um conflict with this law because i think the texas law actually makes it illegal to uh for these platforms to content filter based on viewpoint and most of this actually would be so you know there's all kinds of problems with this law i mean it's not like it's it sets out to do something that's stupid from the beginning i think it's it's actively hostile to the functioning of democracy and the rule of law um, but it's also just like practically um, gonna clash with U.S. law, and this is gonna be weird because these are all most of them are U.S.-based companies, but they obviously have to abide to the EU law in the EU. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, but you know, let's get on. Let's get to a whole another level of crazy. It's something I've said in the beginning that I'm gonna discuss. <laughs> So they keep talking like one 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 issue here that I feel has been woefully run unreported. As far as I can tell, it has barely been reported by the press at all. Um, is they keep talking about illegal content? The law talks about this. So so to quote uh, one part of the law, uh, upon obtaining such knowledge or awareness the provider acts expeditiously to remove or disable access to the illegal content now what do they mean by illegal content right the law stipulates these trusted flaggers and then they can report content that they think is illegal under eu laws but what is illegal content let's think about this so in our current legal system in 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 western democracies what we call the rule of law, you know, the way our states operates. And this is the same in the US, in the UK, in Australia, in Germany, in France, uh, in the Netherlands. Um, in a democratic state, there is one institution, only one institution. It's exactly always one institution that decides if a certain act and, you know, it doesn't matter if this is an act I, I do by my hand or by, you know, my mouth or by keyboard, you know, this, this, um, con, you know, um, this, this concerns, 
You know, if I um, if I kill somebody or if I write something on the internet, it doesn't matter. All of this is covered. There's one institution which decides if this act that I've done is illegal. That's the courts, right? Um, and and you will many you know I talk with people about this and they're like no but but you know killing somebody is illegal. No, it's not. If you know if I'm a police officer, for, let's say. Um, and and somebody runs at me with a knife, and I pull my service weapon, and and I shoot them in in the stomach. They say wherever I might even shoot them in the head. Um, there will be an investigation, and you know it it could very well be ruled that I was acting in self defense. Or even if I you know if I have if I'm allowed to have a weapon in Germany, uh, you know in my house because I'm a hunter, for example, right? I'm a, a huntsman, and um, uh somebody breaks into my house uh, and I have no other, like, and they're attacking me or they're attacking my family. And and if if I, if, can, if it can be argued that I have no other way to stop them uh, and I shoot them dead, um, then that will not be illegal. I mean, I know, I know there's, there was a famous case, I think when I was in Hanover again, um, where police stormed in the middle of the night, uh, stormed the resident of a, a residence of a Hell's Angel and uh, the, the Hell's Angels guy was, uh, um, a um, a competitive shooter. So he was he, he he had a registered gun. He was allowed to have a gun, um, and um, they stormed his house um, like in the middle of the night, like banged in the door. He was upstairs, I think, in his bedroom. I think with his girlfriend. I seem to remember. Um, so he locked the door, and the police was kind of on the stairway, and they. Um, like tried to bust in and he shot a police officer through the door and killed the police officer and he was acquitted that was ruled self-defense because the police could not um adequately um uh explain um in court that they had warned this guy right that that they had said you know this is the police you know um and and he he could believably say that he know he's was the middle of the night it was like this door was kicked in you know he's he's a member of a motorcycle club this might have been the i don't know the what the, the the bandidos or whatever he's like i didn't know who that was they were you know i had a, i had my girlfriend with me in my band they were they were banging on the door i had no other way to defend myself so i shot and i didn't want to kill i just shot at the door and I killed this guy um you know um I mean, I, I hope this is clear that I'm not a legal expert, right? And this is not legal advice. I'm just recounting stuff um, that I researched back in the day. Uh, but, like, I mean, killing somebody is not per se illegal. Um, you, you could have a justified reason for it. Um, same as, like, you know, having a gun is not per se illegal. You might be allowed to have that gun. Um, so... The, the the question whether if something happens if an if an act happens in society the questions the question whether that act was illegal is decided by a court that's how our legal system works right so in our current understanding of justice something happens the police then investigates this act because the police thinks it's illegal and if the police thinks something is illegal they must investigate that's how you know it works. How the rule of law works, and um, 
you know, they might arrest somebody and then uh, a state attorney um, charges the suspect, um, indicts, indicts the suspect, and then there is a court proceeding and then the judge in a courtroom decides if whatever happened has violated the law. So you cannot say, I mean, you can say in like saying a sloppy speech, but, you know, when you're writing a law, you're writing a news article about something like this, you shouldn't do that. You can't say, well, that was an illegal act. You don't, you simply don't know. You can say it looked like an illegal act, but it's per se only an illegal act if a, if a, if a judge says it is. And then sometimes it gets overturned because another judge said, well, you know, that judge was on was drunk <laughs> or whatever <laughs> or was mistaken um and anything else then this system would jeopardize the rule of law right this isn't fucking judge dread where the police decide something is illegal and then they convict and then they shoot the guy right so if the rule of law still holds in the eu how can a trusted flagger or anybody else report somebody for illegal content they don't know if content is illegal as this, you know, uh, what is it, Chicago uh, Journal of International Law says, it's allegedly illegal content. They could report this person to the police. The police could investigate. You know, a DA could indict. There could be a lawsuit, a court case, and then a judge can decide. And then, then it's illegal content. But the fact that they're talking about illegal content in the context of this law where there's no judge involved... Is wrong. It is plainly wrong. It is almost, I would say, insane. It's. It means that whoever wrote this law does not understand how law works in a democracy, or does not care, which would be worse. Um, because why is that? Why is it this way? Because we have something called the presumption of innocence, which our whole legal system rests on. This is an idea. The Romans invented, and probably they stole it from somebody, but it goes literally back to ancient Rome, right? And a democracy cannot function if there's no presumption of innocence. That's all, all our laws, all our jurisprudence, all of our court decisions, going back to, you know, when our, all of our countries were founded, work in a way where society has to presume that somebody's innocence, uh, innocent until, until a judge says, there aren't. We, we do not live in a legal system where a trusted flagger can say, oh, we think this is illegal, and then there's some action taken on that. Right? So, so if a court, if we still have presumption of innocence in the EU, that would mean that a court would have to decide if an act of speech right, that produced certain content was illegal in the first place. Um, so when they're talking about illegal content, they're, they're either talking about content that is in fact not illegal at all because a judge has, you know, there was no judge involved, or, that, which would be more worrying, I think, they're trying to eliminate the presumption of innocence and, and damn it, that would like collapse our whole legal system, which would collapse our, like our democracy cannot function without that. Um, I, I know we're trying to get rid of it and we're trying to replace the justice system by just people on Twitter deciding that somebody has done something and then ruining their lives. But that will literally take down democracy with it. I mean, 
seriously, what this? What is this? Is this is the European Union, right? We're living in. This is not the Cardassian Union, <laughs> which is if you watched uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, um, there is this um, antagonistic race. They're kind of like the new bad guys. Um, you know, because obviously in, in TNG times, the Klingons were not the bad guys anymore. Um, so you then have the Cardassians, who are a dictatorship, uh, who, uh, you know, um, conquered, they ran out of resources, conquered another planet called Bayor, enslaved the whole um, uh, population for like decades, I think. Uh, and, and then, well, they had to let him go at, at the end because the, the, they did some Chigavara tactics and, you know, waged asymmetric war and won against the Cardassians. But, you know, they're they're fascist, fascistic totalitarian state and their legal system turns the presumption of innocence on its head. So in the Cardassian legal system, if you are indicted, um, you are presumed to be guilty. And the whole, they, they have show trials, kind of like the Soviet Union, right? If, you, if they have a trial uh, from the beginning, everybody knows that you convict, you will be convicted, and you will be, you will get your just punishment. And they talk to Cardassians, or like the Federation guys, obviously don't understand. Like, how does, how does this work? Like, how can you have a legal system like this? And then, you know, somebody like Gul Dukatu is like the most uh, known. I have a picture of him in the show notes. Private citizen press. If you have never seen Deep Space Nine, it's a good show. Um, who would then say, well, it's very reassuring, right? The population knows. Uh, when somebody goes on trial, they know that they're guilty and they know that they will get their just punishment. There's actually an amazing episode where one of the officers from BSS 9, Chief O'Brien, the, the chief engineer, uh, gets uh, gets convicted for being a traitor, like for basically being a spy, I think. He gets interred and then uh, uh, interrogated by the by the Cardassians and gets put on trial and then the 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 episode basically deals with his trial and his his defense lawyer was like you know and then he has like these amazing exchanges with his defense lawyer was like the defense lawyer goes like yeah you're guilty what do you mean I'm guilty I'm not guilty you're my defense lawyer you can't say you can't say I'm guilty it's like of course you're guilty this is the Cardassian legal system I think isn't it also the famous scene where Picard gets tortured, it's only four lights, or it's five lights, or whatever. I think those are Cardassians as well. Anyway, you know, we're the European Union. We're not the Cardassian Union. You can't just presume that content is illegal. And this is just, this is insane. Right? Because, um, I mean, I think why they're doing this is they just want, don't want to admit that what they mean is content that's... Um, Inconvenient. I think that's what they mean when they say illegal. Um, they just want to make it sound like what they're doing is right. But by that, they're actually exposing that this is like some kind of almost fascist idea. Um, and it even gets more insane because, I mean, this is the case in Germany, but I'm pretty sure it's the case in all EU countries. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure most of them. Um, I don't know all legal systems in the EU, but... In most EU countries, the legal system works in a way whereas, where the police is legally required to investigate things that are brought to their attention or that they see that they think are illegal, right? If I go to the police and say, well, I, I saw this guy doing X, and the police thinks, well, that is illegal, then they have to investigate. They can't just say, well, no, not today. Uh, we don't like you. We don't like your 
skin color, we don't like your haircut, we're not going to investigate this. They can't, like, they have to. That's how the legal system works, right? But, how, like, that. otherwise it couldn't function. But now, let's have a little thought experiment here. If one of the service providers, or the, one of these platform providers, removes content that is actually illegal before anybody can see it, or, be, you know, it gets visibility filters, people can't see it, and before anybody can inform the police, because before the police can't be aware of it, um, wouldn't that be obstruction of justice, which in many cases um, is itself illegal? It's just criminal. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a crime? Like if, if somebody posts some Holocaust denial or like some Nazi glorification on Facebook, and then under German law, and this has been the case ever since the internet existed, which is why I think these laws are stupid, and I've been saying this, right? We have, there is content that is, you know, if it's illegal, then the police must investigate, and they will find who's responsible, and they will sue them, and they will come out that they're illegal, they will go to jail or have to face punishment. But the problem is that there are not, not enough people to investigate this shit. Because there's not enough police, and you know the 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 justice system is is overburdened as it is. That's the actual. That's the real problem. But this law is not going to solve that. Um, but like, you know, that's why why we have these laws. But wouldn't that be like, wouldn't that be illegal in itself if Facebook deleted that content? Like, wouldn't they have to rather um, inform the police, and the police would have to investigate? If they actually prevent, if somebody posts something that's illegal and Facebook prevents that from basically going out and doesn't, doesn't like tell the police, um, wouldn't that be obstruction of justice? And why, why does this occur to me? A guy who has no legal training and who's just sat down for a day and researched this bullshit. Why does this shit occur to me, but not the idiots who are drafting this legislation like are they that dumb are they misguided are they maybe corrupt is this a conspiracy i have no idea but how can you fucking how can you draft a law like this how can you pass a law like this what the fuck really what is this wait is this the cadassian union what the hell i mean it's not it's not fucking rocket science. Like, this is why we have laws like this. Like, why? If content is illegal, and, you know, we're talking about criminal law. If content is illegal under criminal law, why aren't you just using the justice system as it is to... Like, what you're doing there is, like, this new, like, the Digital Services Act, if it works, best case scenario, it takes care of the content. It doesn't take care of the peop the person. Like, they, they delete the stuff, they censor it, they visibility filter it, but they're not, they don't get rid of, rid of the guy posting it. The illegal content, if it's actually illegal content, they're not indicting him, they're not putting putting a guy in jail, they're just like disappearing the content. What kind of a way of dealing with a problem? Like, I mean, you, the, the, if you have the most basic like high school education, you would see that that doesn't solve the problem. 
that this is a stupid law. And of course, I'm just being like, I'm just getting um, agitated for no reason because obviously that is not their in intent. If you think about all of this, you can see that this law makes no fucking sense from this point of view, from, from the point of view what it is supposed to do. No, it's supposed to protect... No, what it is supposed to do is supposed to allow people who, who, who run, run the place to get rid of information that they don't like. This is what this law does. It is nothing else, and it, you know, it, it's probably going to be effective at that. But people need to um, realize that. And and I just, I'm sorry, I get so agitated, but it's it it is amazing to me that you can have news articles, comment commentary in the press about this, and they don't bring either of this stuff up. And it's obvious, and it's not even. It's like I mean. Like the digital conservatives, those those are like the only people who actually draw the the um, the obvious parallels to Orwell. I mean, it's from from a from a literary standpoint, it's quite amazing how right Orwell was. Right, when when was nineteen nineteen eighty four was written in in forty eight, right? Something like this. Let's say in the fifties, like how well he saw this stuff coming. I mean, the details are all different, of course, but like the the actual core. Of what is happening, he he saw that coming, and people like Philip K. Dick and people like Ray Bradbury saw this shit coming. It's actually quite. If it wasn't so dangerous, and it if I wasn't so afraid of it, I would be amazed just at how well they predicted this shit. Um, I mean, wow. Um, and then it's just a whole another wow. How like the EU. Um, can pass it and then be convinced, um, be convinced that they're right, right? They're convinced. People like Ursula von der Leyen are convinced, and I believe this. I, I believe that they're convinced that they're, do, they're doing the right thing. But then, of course, everybody's convinced they're doing the right thing. Hitler was convinced he was doing the right thing. Uh, Stalin was convinced he was doing the right thing. It doesn't matter how many people you kill. These people are always... Gul in that picture I have in, in the show notes is quite obviously convinced he's doing the right thing <laughs> um yeah wow um anyway i've i've ranted about this enough it's just it's amazing it's once again it's the eu ruin it ruining it i can't even talk anymore ruining it for all of us and not only in the eu right it's as i said it's in the us everywhere fucking crazy then of course it could just be me and I could be completely overacting and you might think something completely different and I have many people who consistently like well I've consistently have people writing in say I you know I really enjoy the show I do not agree with you all of the time or even a lot of the time but I like the way you're approaching things and you don't have to agree I mean that's that's I don't. I, I think people who um, who have that expectation when they create a podcast. I don't think many people have, but that would be rather dumb, right? I mean, 
Um, I'm just I'm just trying to explain my viewpoint on things, and I I, I uh, actually really really like when when you know listeners tell me their viewpoint. So please do uh, go to Private Citizen Press. Uh, please tell me what you think. I'm not the EU. I'm not going to censor you. If you actually want to, you know, if you want some of this, if you 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 can go on the on the forum and you can just talk about things and 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 publish your thoughts. Um, there are some laws I will have to abide by, so please no swastikas. I will have to delete those. Um, but um, yeah, please don't, you know, don't don't just don't make me make me do it. I just I don't want to either. Um, but you know, it's just whatever. Um, you know, some some things you have to abide by. Um, luckily, this law, as far as I understand it, only applies to commercial uh, actors, and I don't think my little forum. Um, applies so I think we're in in the green uh, and and if it does I this law I'm gonna rebel against I'm gonna aim to misbehave fuck him please tell me what you think I'm not gonna censor you um, even if you are pro Putin not that we ever had anybody on the forum who was that but you know please uh, let me know what you think um, you know, if you think the same as me, you can also say that. Um, you know, you can just also just email me, whatever. If you don't want to want to be on the record, that's okay. If you want to tell me something, and then you know, if you don't want to want to have it on the show, please say so uh, in your message, and I, I will be sure to honor that. Um, yeah, please let me know what you think. Uh, I uh, I appreciate. I always appreciate that a lot. Um, and with that, I also have to think. Oh, think, think, think think fab <laughs> i have to thank all the people um, who support the show in other ways not not only by telling me their opinions on things and, and giving me interesting information and ideas for the show but also the people who are uh, on my patreon and and who are paying me every month to bring the show to you um i call them my producers and i and i'm, I'm thanking them now if you want to join them link to the patreon is in the show notes private citizen press um Thanks to my sh to my showrunner, Sorgo Taran, the executive producers, Butterbeans, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Rizel, and Sandman616, my supervising producers, Avis, Bennett Piata, Dave, IKN, Jackie Plage, Jonathan M. Hitai, Crunkle, Michael Mullen Jensen, and Tobias Weber, uh, producers, Andrew Davidson, Astro C, Barry Williams, Cam, Captain Eckhead, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansour, Florian Pigosh, Joe Poser, Mr. Amish, RJ Tracy, and Robert Forster. And also, thanks to my associate producers, D, Jonathan, Johan Sonen, Kaisius, Ricky M, Steve Hose, and Vlad. Um, all of these people have been extremely loyal and uh, stuck with the show for a long time. And I thank every single one of you. Thank you very much. You make it possible for me to do the show and to talk about crazy things like EU laws. I also would like to thank ByteMark at ByteMark.co.uk, um, a UK-based cloud hosting service. They're all good people um, doing their thing for free speech. They are providing the bandwidth and the storage um, for for this podcast, and I thank them very much for that. So um, go visit ByteMark. They're good people. And, um, yeah, with that, I'm going to play us out. Um, this the song you heard at the beginning is called Acoustic Roots by Ra Ra Raul Cabezali. And as you can tell, I can't talk anymore, so I'm going to get the hell out of here. I'm going to play us out with a song called Night Stalker by Wavesaver, which uh, some synth wave I really enjoyed, um, licensed through Epidemic Sound. And that's it for me. 
Um, I'll, I'll be back as soon as I can. Aim to misbehave.